Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. It's another beautiful Friday, and you know what that means, another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. Before we get started, it is happening this Sunday. Registration opens for the Fertility Reconnect course, which I am super excited about and nervous and all these other butterfly emotions. Um, I'm super excited to start connecting with a big group of women in one space. You guys are going to love it. You're gonna love the support you get from each other, from me. Um, It's gonna be such an uplifting and really inspiring six weeks, which is actually a little bit longer than six weeks because we have um, a break in between the first three weeks and the last three weeks. And you actually have a lot of homework to do before the course even starts because reconnecting your fertility is hard and it takes a lot of work so we want to really just dive in do it as slowly but as quickly as possible because remember we want to be pregnant yesterday so keep an eye out if you're on the email list especially there's gonna be um, a little bit of a discount I would say for you guys on the email list if you're not on the email list go and see it and I think you have like one more day like today to go and check out the course for free. I don't know how much is actually going to be on the course. All the layout's going to be there and you can explore what's going to be on there. I don't know how many videos are going to be up there yet because you know what life is like. It's just uh, sometimes really hard (laughs) to get everything going. But it's all in my brain and it is going to be amazing for you guys. We're starting January 4th so you can have the month of December to clear the cupboards out and drink as much as you want because you are going to commit to yourself and to your future baby that this is going to happen. We are going to make this happen together and you are going to become your own hero. So today's podcast is a little bit different, I suppose. Um, We are going to be talking about money and money's a big thing when you're dealing with infertility, right? Like first it's all the supplements you've been buying and then you gotta go organic and you gotta get the, you know, chemical freeze shampoo that's like five dollars more and then we start looking at doctor's bills and IUIs and IVFs and you know now maybe even the fertility reconnect course you know like to try to make a baby for some of us takes money and Devin has her own personal infertility journey and this is why she's doing what she's doing now she's always been a numbers girl and you know through her journey she was like holy shit i need to do ivf and i don't have the money so she started to kind of really start digging in deep and looking at how she can get money and make money and save money and manifest money i know what you're thinking what the fuck is manifesting but just stay with us right if you've been with me you know for a while now if you've been listening to every episode i'm all about mindset as well and manifesting is just a different way of reconnecting with yourself and really honing in and using your subconscious to get what you want So I'm really excited to bring this podcast out to you guys. Devin is such a lovely soul. She is super switched on. She knows what she's talking about. And we've actually become like a little bit of besties since we recorded this episode. So I'm going to stop rambling right now. Um, So without further ado, here's Devin, the fertility finance coach. Um, So welcome back to the infertile diagnosis today. We have a very different twist to being your own hero, um, but I think that a lot of us can relate to this. We have Devin and she is going to help manifest money, which who doesn't want more money, right? But there's a lot more than just 
thinking about money and then you'll get money unfortunately but as you know with this podcast and if you follow me on instagram there's always more to the story than what we say um and devin actually has her own infertility story so if you can tell us a little bit about that devin so i knew from the age of 16 that i had endometriosis and i remember the doctor telling me that it could mean it would be more difficult to get pregnant but you know at 16, who cares? <laughs> you know, like it was not a focus. Um, I didn't think much about it. And it wasn't until I was, you know, years later out of college, married, that it started to sort of weigh on me um, that we should get started sooner than later. Cause those were the doctor's words, get started sooner than later. Um, so I was relatively young when we got started trying, I think it was 24, 25. Um, and within like six months, it became apparent that something was off. Um, so I remember going to uh, my OB at the time and I was already like Google doctoring everything and researching it to death. And so I'd been like testing my ovulation and um, charting and, you know, all of this crazy stuff. And so I went in with all my questions about luteal phases and uh, by the end of it, she just looked like a deer in headlights. And it was like, you need to go see a reproductive endocrinologist. Like this is above my pay grade. So they uh, sent me on over and that started um, years of continuous treatments. We went through, oh gosh, I don't even know how many, I think it would count like 23 cycles, you know, timed intercourse, Clomid, injectables six IUIs, multiple surgeries, miscarriage, and eventually we did IVF. Yep. And no one along that stage was guiding you in a, like a diet or a mindset to help improve your situation? I am going to say no. (laughs) Um, That was never offered, honestly. I, they, they would talk about your medications, but, and I think they just looked at me as being generally healthy. Um, I think that unless there was an extreme that they saw right off the bat or within the medical questions they asked, they just didn't address it. And there was a lot less uh, resources when I did this. This was, you know, you're talking like, oh gosh, it'll be nine years ago that we started. So there, um, there wasn't as much of a focus. And honestly, I wasn't as, I wasn't public about it for a long time. It was something we didn't talk about. So I think I probably cut myself off from possible resources. Yeah. When you talk to other people, then you start, you know, getting new ideas or what's worked for them or have you heard of this book and stuff like that. So I, my diet didn't really change and my mindset, oh my goodness, it was, it was not good. It was really a struggle. I was intensely um, focused and stressed on the cost it was not easy for us. We were working blue collar jobs. Um, we were, you know, young in the beginning of our careers and that was a huge stressor for us. And then, uh, after we had the miscarriage, things really spiraled and I did eventually uh, go and see a counselor, but it was interesting because even I called the reproductive endocrinologist's office and said, Hey, um, I'm really, I don't, I think I'm struggling here. I don't know that this is normal and I don't know how I feel. And I need some help. Who, who do you recommend who specializes in this? And they had nobody. Yeah. They had nobody, they had no sort of list to give me that was, they were like surprised by my question. And I thought how bizarre, like people are going through the most stressful time of their lives, physically, emotionally, financially in their relationships at work. And there was just very limited resources for help. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy. And I think a lot more clinics and doctors and practitioners are putting these links together now, which is great. Um, obviously didn't help, you know, us at the time. Um, right. But then, we, but then we, you know, that's part of the, I think, motivation to become who you needed. Yeah. Because uh, now you know where the needs are and who you wish you would have had at the time. And I definitely think that some of those moments um, are what led me you know, to doing what I do now as the fertility finance coach, because those super expensive decisions uh, that were complicated, nobody could help me make. 
literally yeah. nobody understood what I was talking about. I'm telling them follicle sizes and my AMH and it's like speaking a whole nother language yeah. and people be like, good luck with that. Right. And <laughs> your endometriosis, um, did that give you a lot of issues um, like outside of trying to conceive? Was that? Um... Oh, we're frozen. Oh yeah. Your internet. Are you back? There you go. Okay. Sorry. So your endometriosis, was that um, something that you were struggling on the side? Was it like causing a lot of issues for you? And were your doctors acknowledging that? Or was it kind of just, you have it, deal with it? Yeah. Well, I had had, so, you know, they just suspect it at 16. And then they actually went in and did the laparoscopy surgery and the ablation at 19. So I knew that it was there. Um, the doctors knew that it was there. And it did, I mean, it caught the normal symptoms. It causes a lot of pain. Um, it was heavy bleeding. You know, there was certainly, it was unpleasant. And so I had been on birth control for most of those years. Okay. Control it. Um, and got off right when we started trying. But it was interesting because I think because that diagnosis was already in place, they assumed that's all there was going on. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really look any further than that. And it did take years and me eventually asking, is there any other thing we can test for? Is there any other possibility? And she said, well, I mean, we could test your AMH, but you're young. You'll be fine. It's fine. But if you want, we can do that. And that was the game changer. Was it? Tell us a little bit about that. So I, my AMH came back at 0.68 and I was 27 years old and she, I mean, I had no idea what it was. I remember the office calling me. I remember sitting in the parking lot and I think it was like the same day they called, which was unheard of. And the lady said, Hey, we have your results. Um, the doctor's going to call you. I'm like, right now? She said, yeah, she's going to call you. And so she called and I, then I start to panic because I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? And she said, yeah, you know, we're going to have to move forward with IVF, um, probably much sooner than we thought. And she actually ended up giving us half off the price because I told her that we would consider IVF if we could afford it, but there's no way, $20,000. Like we don't have that kind of money. We, we've been doing this for years, you know, yeah. we don't have that in savings. And so she said, you know, this has to get done and we're cutting the price. Um, so then I knew it was serious. And then I went and Googled it and I saw it was, you know, the equivalent of a woman in her mid forties, mm-hmm. really unexpected. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I was diagnosed with a little bit of a low AMH score and, um, you know, we had really shitty embryos on our first IVF. Um, and yeah, it sucks that, um, it sucks that you got, they got hung up on your endometriosis, you know, diagnosis where yeah, you're just thinking like, why did it take so long for these tests to be done if they were out there and that easy it was just one blood test in the office you know it's frustrating um and it was and it really did make a difference same um the IVF cycle we had I mean in the beginning they thought I would have 30 eggs I would have 20 embryos we would have multiple chances and some to freeze for siblings later and we ended up with one embryo that made it and they said it doesn't look good it won't survive a freeze. We're going to have to do a fresh transfer. And that, and they said 25% chance at best. Yeah. And so that was devastating news. I mean, we were like, you got to be kidding me. Like all of the years, all of the money, everything we put into this. Um, and we're just so sure that it was over, uh, that that was it. And then on my um, 28th birthday, two little pink lines popped up. And, you know, she's a happy, healthy five-year-old nowadays. And then, oh. of course, years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so we have skipped some of my questions. Sorry. I'm, uh, you can go back, yeah. Yeah, no, no. We've answered them. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I told you you're going to have to stop me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, where can I go? So... So, okay. So faced with IVF and the financial hardship um, of IVF, I know for me, um, I was living in the UK. We had the NHS. You can do it for free on the NHS. And I was really naive about things. So I was like, I remember in my head, at least I have this. If I was in America, 
it would be $20,000. At least I have free IVF. And we went and we moved to York and um, redid all of our tests and stuff because we were in a new place. We moved from Scotland. So even though it's an island and it's all connected, it's different countries. So we had to start right. in and we were fast tracked. But the guy, um, the doctor just said, you know, there's nothing else we can do for you. I'm not going to do IUI because um, you're ovulating fine on your own. Um, it's straight to IVF. And by the way, you're in one of the three at the time of postcode lottery. We don't fund IVF. And I remember walking out, this is one of my only very vivid, um, I have a, a very small handful of vivid memories during my journey. Most I've just caught out of my brain. Right. Um, I burst into tears. I was on my own. I walked out, I went into the bathroom and sobbed my head off because like you, even though it was um, a usual round of IVF, it's about 5,000 pounds in the UK. We didn't have that money, you know? Like, it might as well be a million. We just bought a house, you know, mm -hmm. I wasn't working and mm -hmm. um, I just, that was one of the hardest times I ever cried. And mm. I know it sounds really stupid to cry over money. No, it doesn't. That's just what it was, you know? Oh, no. It doesn't to me. I mean, it's, it's real and it's very um, under addressed. I feel that out of uh, all of the things doctors certainly could do better and in those clinics with how they deal with uh, patients and I just think that they're not very sensitive to how real that money is for people and the impact that has on their lives and the hope that is lost when you feel like this won't happen for me, this is impossible. I mean, I really thought at one point, we will have to win the lottery. Yeah. There's no other way we'll come up with the money for this. You know, it, it is impossible. And that sort of feeling of helplessness and hopelessness is very, very real. And I remember, oh, getting, we had a surgery, another laparoscopy and ablation to see what else was going on. And uh, I got a bill in the mail. It was from the anesthesia that wasn't covered because it didn't go through insurance and blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't expecting it, you know, and I opened up this bill for thousands of dollars and it was like at the mailbox and just felt like a straight panic attack. Um, I, I same sobbing, like, it's just so much, you're already going through so much. And that is kind of the last straw sometimes. And for that, my husband said, he was like, don't open any more bills. Like I will handle them all, stop opening them. And that really was the solution to that problem for us because I just wasn't in a place that I could deal with it. So yeah. That is one of my tips sometimes for clients when they're like, I just feel so anxious about this. Then let him open it and then let him call and let him deal with it. You know, you have to find a way to sort of um, pass on some of that pressure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so faced with the hardship, um, when did you start changing your mindset um, around your whole journey, not only finances, but about the um, journey? Well, I will say that honestly, it changed everything for me. It changed uh, my relationships, some for the good and some for the bad. Uh, it definitely changed things. And it changed my work life. You know, I eventually went into business for myself because I couldn't get enough days off for treatment. Um, it changed my spiritual beliefs completely. The religion I was raised in, I was getting a lot of messages that just uh, eventually they weren't helpful anymore. And I had to sort of break everything down. And I was just sort of broken down. You know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with dark night of the soul, the term, you know, of these like few times in your life where just everything sort of falls apart. Mm -hmm. Of course, now I can see it all fell apart to come together again, how it should have been and needed to be. But I couldn't see that at the time, not at all. And the money mindset was huge because I didn't realize that it wasn't about money at all. <laughs> and there was one, I actually just recently did a Facebook live about how this doctor made me really mad. And we had just had a miscarriage. We went to get a second opinion from this doctor because he was really highly regarded. And he was a doctor, he's in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it's a wealthy part of town, right? He's a rich doctor. And we go in and talk to him and he's asking us, why haven't we done IVF? Why are we bothering with all of these IUIs? And 
like, because we don't have the money for IVF. That's not even a possibility. And so he started talking about, um, I mean, he was really unshamed. Like he's talking about how rich he was and he's talking about how much money he had and how his kids are ungrateful. And then he started talking about when he was poor, when he was in medical school and that he remembers going shopping with his wife at garage sales to buy their kids clothes and how he misses that. And he's just nostalgically reminiscing about how great it was to be poor. <laughs> And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me right now. Like, are, are, do you know who you're talking to? And in that same conversation, he was like, you know, there's something going on with you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, sometimes people come in here and there's something more going on. There's like a reason for their infertility, like a cosmic reason, a universal reason, spiritual reason. And he's like, there's something, there's something going on here. I think this is all happening for a reason. And I was so irritated. <laughs> I'm like, here's this guy, this like man of science, you know, he came here for some answers and he tells me how we'd rather be poor. And you know, it's all going to be fine. There's a reason for this. <laughs> so he, he was a personality. He was, he was a little different. Um, so I left there and I was really mad about it, but it planted the seed of, look at this guy. He has tons of money, more money than he probably knows what to do with. And what is he thinking about? What is it that matters to him? He is, he's remembering these sweet moments with his family. That's what matters. Yeah. Having those kids, that's what matters. You know, I started thinking about how tightly I was holding on to this money and what else did this money represent to me? You know, what, what if it wasn't about the money? What if there was something else? And of course, it probably still took me a couple of years, honestly, um, to process it all. But now, especially with the work I do with women who are just like me, I see it a lot. That money represents control because you're so out of control in every other area and you're not controlling what's going on with your body, what's going on with your life, your relationships, your work situation. Um, it's one of the very few tangible things we can hold on to. So it's, it's easy to focus on, you know, mm -hmm. if I control my money, then I'm controlling what's happening. And then it also represents, or did for me, it represented hope because I knew we would only have one chance at IVF and it would take everything we had. And then once that was gone, what did I have? If it didn't work, then I had nothing, mm -hmm. you know, what next? Now I had lost hope. So it really wasn't about $20,000 of money. It was about $20,000 worth of hope. You know, it was everything we had. Yeah. And so when, what did you do to start changing your mindset then? Was it after your IVF? Yeah, honestly, the mindset piece really came into play later because when we were do, when we were going through the treatment and then specifically when we knew we had to save for IVF, we started doing crazy things like I mean, my husband was driving around in a car with no AC in the Arizona summer. It's like 125 degrees outside. <laughs> he had an hour commute. <laughs> this poor guy, you come home just like covered in sweat. Um, we were cutting our budget like on everything. We sold our house at a loss. We did a short sale. So we lost money on our home to move into a small apartment because it would um, save us cash every month. Uh, we, I mean, just everything. And I even have, I have a list, 15 crazy ways to make money for IVF that is on devinpaisa.com because I wanted to list out some of the weirdest things me or people I know, you know, things that we have done. Yeah. And um, sorry, I'm going to cut in. It, were there, um, campaigns at that time when you're going through, you know, how people sell t-shirts or GoFundMe, was any of that around? No, I think GoFundMe might've been more in its infancy. Um, but that isn't, that's not something we would have ever done. We, you know, didn't tell anybody about it for gosh, I mean, a few years. And then when we started sharing, it was with family and friends um, and the people close to us. But I would have, my, I mean, my husband's a very prideful guy. Like he won't take anybody, anything from anybody. So even if I wanted to, that probably wouldn't have happened. But I honestly had a hard time even going there mentally because I was so stressed thinking about gambling 
our life savings on it, I could not fathom gambling somebody else's money on it. Yeah. Because I mean, I remember a doctor asking us that when we were saying, we can't do this, that's not an option. And they said, what about this? What about that? Can you take money? Can you, are you willing to put it on credit cards? Are you willing to get a loan um, to go into debt for it? And we're like, no, no, we're not. And they said, is there anyone in your family you can ask? I'm like, um, am I the only person whose family isn't rich? Am I the only one without a rich uncle? Because I don't know anyone who's going to give us $20,000. And even if they could, we wouldn't ask, you know, yeah. so that, that wasn't part of it for us. We knew it was going to be, just have to be something we did. Yeah. Sorry. So I cut you off. So you were talking about the crazy things you did to raise money for IVF and we're talking about your mindset. So was it during that time that you're doing these crazy things? So I yes. call crazy things. Like I'm not saying that they're crazy. If anybody, no, I'm saying they're crazy. <laughs> they're totally fine. I'm saying they're crazy. Some of them are kind of weird. Um, so we yeah we did a bunch of crazy things. We also did. I mean to save money, a million different things to budget. Um, but here here was sort of the piece that started falling into place that I didn't see at the time, and now I know what it is. So when you are saying to the universe very clearly this is what I want. This is what I need. This is the amount by this date. Like when you have it written down, when you are, you and your partner are on the same level, this is what's happening. Nothing else matters. You know, I really feel like the universe comes to support you in that and things start to happen for you that you kind of can't explain. Like, you know, we, yes, we worked overtime and yes, we put money towards this and saved money here. But also we got help along the way that was sort of divine intervention. Mm -hmm. um, that was a little unexplainable. And then after we did the IVF and after it worked, it all of a sudden showed us that anything we put our mind to when it came to money was possible. So now we had no excuses. Now we knew what it was to come up with, you know, tens of thousands of dollars it, by this date, we made it happen. I remember taking a picture of my bank account because it was at exactly $20,000. And at the time I thought, um, I'm never going to see this much money again. You know, and then I went and paid for the IVF and the medications and all of the things. And it was really funny because then after that, I looked at my husband and I said, you know, we got $50,000 worth of debt here between student loans and different situations. I said, why don't we just pay off all of our debt? And he was like, okay. And so we did everything we had done and to have my daughter in those years, then it only took us 18 months to save up $50,000 to pay off all of our debt. Yeah. And then we manifested even more crazy stuff, like getting paid to go live on an Island and we had all our bills paid for. And so a year after we paid off the debt, we had another $30,000 in the bank. Like, and now I'm like, wow, it, this is some crazy stuff, like weird things happening, falling into place. And so that's what really opened me up to the mindset piece. And then, I mean, you would think I would know better, honestly, like my degrees in finance, you know, like I was in, you know, business management and certainly working with budgets and those things, that information helped, you know, I read all the Dave Ramsey stuff and that helped. Um, but it wasn't until I opened myself up to manifesting money that it became really easy and fun. And that's the part that's missing because it's kind of like a diet where if you're depriving yourself of something, it will just only last for so long, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know more about that than me. All I know is that I can't diet to save my life. It, <laughs> like, you know, it lasts like a day. And so it's the same thing with money. When you feel like you're sacrificing and you're scrimping and, you know, saving and you're in a scarcity mindset, it, is hard to come up with the money and it is so unpleasant the entire time, it's really hard to maintain. So to do that for an entire year to save up for IVF is really hard to do. Um, when you throw in making money, making more money, saving money, and then also manifesting money, you sort of have this, you have all three things in alignment and it happens much, much faster and it is so much more fun. Yeah. to do. It takes some mindset shifts in order to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Once again, I mean, people probably are sick of me saying it's the way you look at things and it changes what you're putting out there 
and in your subconscious, if you're telling your, yourself, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, either financially or physically, you're going to be broke. I'm not Absolutely. saying that you can't save money and you can't get pregnant when you're broke. We see it right. all the time. But like you say, the journey and the outcome is just going to be dramatically different. Mm -hmm. And I think until you do it yourself, you're going to sit there and say, this is woo-woo, you know, like, I don't know. Oh, whatever but until you um put in the work see the results it becomes addictive you're like i can do that all right what else can i do and right. you get more confident in yourself and then it all of a sudden just becomes a much bigger thing than simply seeing those two pink lines that we're absolutely obsessed by i know and that is where your hyper focus goes but that's honestly what I think gives people during that time of their life a sort of superpower because where you are hyper-focused on something and it is all you want and you are willing to do anything to get there, there's very few times in our life that we are that determined, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that you, it can feel anxious, overwhelming, um, really stressful. But the flip side of that same coin is exciting, determined, you know, fearless. So I think it's the mindset shifts that have to happen to sort of flip the coin. And it's sort of the same energy, but it's directed a little differently. And now it's here to serve you instead of feeling like it's here to defeat you. Yeah. Yeah. My husband always says that um, if it wasn't for me just being so bullheaded that there was an answer out there of like why we weren't getting pregnant it would have never happened because he was like like whatever i'll just take what the doctors say right and you have to be your own hero right you have to be your own advocate in so many different areas of infertility and ironically they they're all one they all come together as one yeah absolutely i think that and i did talk about this in um so I do fertile money mindsets, this 30 day program. And I specifically set a whole day aside to talk about mama bear instincts and how they get triggered before you ever even have children. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to me um, that people, especially women will be very sort of passive, easy to get along with, don't want to make waves. And they're that way in all of their relationships. They want people to like them. And that's the priority. And then all of a sudden, when you shift in your mind to focus on becoming a mother before you ever even hold a child, you know, you are becoming that child's mother mm -hmm. and you are more willing to do things for that child that you would never do for yourself. So like, I would not walk into the doctor's office and tell somebody off, you know, before, <laughs> <laughs> but because of all of this, you know, that's what had to happen sometimes. Like I remember having to go in, they didn't want to give me a blood test until a Monday and it was Friday. And I was like, I'll just wait here until you do. I'll, just sit, I'll be in the waiting room. Let me know, you know, and they did it like, yeah, because I don't like, I care how much you like me about me a four. I care about this child a 10. Yeah. You know? And so it's um, an interesting shift when those mama bear instincts kick in, you start, you know, being willing to go harder, to dig deeper, to endure so much more than you would before. And so I think sometimes our husbands, our partners are sort of left in amazement. Like, why do you keep going with this? Why are we still doing this? Like, why won't you stop? Because they would stop because yeah. they don't have this instinct that we have that we're like, I can't. Like, yeah. The only thing harder than going through all of this is the thought of having to stop and to so never be mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a funny position to be in because I think a lot of partners will just go with you and be supportive and well hopefully I'm hoping they will. Yeah. Um I know my husband definitely thought I went like crazy mad, but um and I had a heated conversation with him in the kitchen about food. I said, You made half these shitty of Mario's. You have to get on the diet or I'm not having kids with you. And that was that. Like you decide. <laughs> oh, and did he, do this did alone he, um and he got on board <laughs> yeah, he got off the cocoa pops for breakfast 
so that was nice. Um, that so good. <laughs> yeah. So along, you saw this uh, money mindset happening. Were you doing other things, um, you know, mindset-wise for relaxation, for, you know, just normal day life? Were you improving diet or nutrition at all? Were you doing other things alongside the money mindset, um, even subconsciously, even if it wasn't like, I did this? Yeah, this equals this. I think um, compared to my late teens and early adulthood, <laughs> it got much better. Right. Okay, so there was no longer, my weekends were no longer full of cheap beer and cigarettes. Okay, so things had gotten much better. Um, I, I still think it, my diet wasn't great. And I literally hadn't thought about it until we had gotten another doctor's opinion right before IVF. And he sort of opened my eyes to all sorts of nutritional stuff that I, and hormonal stuff I had no idea going on. And so I do think that it would have, we probably would have ended up with more embryos, um, better quality. I, now I see how that could have been positively impacted, but that wasn't the case for us. You know, we just had the one, yep. um, there was nothing to freeze. And so I exercise had started to become a really important part of my life. And at first it was for weight loss, for the weight I had put on in college with all that beer and macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I hoped to like lose weight for the wedding. And then uh, my husband's real big into physical fitness. So he was a good example. And eventually I just went to the gym when he went. And then I started doing yoga and really um, liked the changes I was seeing in myself and how I felt about myself. And it progressed from there. So eventually working out was not about weight at all. It was about my mental health. Yeah. And I'm still that way about it. Like I know that I need to get yeah. physical and get out of my head and work out classes. Like those work best for me. I go somewhere, follow someone else's instruction. I don't think about it, get those endorphins going. So that was important. Um, but also sort of interesting because we, so we tried the whole year after my daughter was born to get pregnant on our own because with endometriosis, we thought, well, you know, it's all cleared out now that I had her from the pregnancy hormones, this will be our best chance. And nothing happened. We never got pregnant. And the endometriosis was back and the pain was bad enough that I went back on birth control. And so I had been back on birth control for a couple of years, um, trying different things. And I had put on a little bit of weight. So I did an IUD and it was awful. And I was just like had bleeding for a couple months straight. And I told the, and had gained weight. I was doing like less intense workouts and I told the doctor to take it out. And he said, do you want me to write you a script for birth control? And I said, no, infertility is its own birth control. Like I'm done. I'm done with these hormones. I'm done with all of this stuff going on in my body. So I didn't. Uh, and it was gosh, a month after that, that my three-year-old said I was really sick. I had gotten the flu, which like tested positive for type A flu and I just could not get better. And she, I was really sick and she was so sweet. She said, mama, how are you feeling? And I said, oh baby, I don't feel good. And she said, oh, because there's a baby in your tummy. And I was like, what? No. Like I just thought it's just cause I'm like, I gained like 15 pounds, you know, <laughs> like she thinks I'm pregnant. And so I, she kept saying it and um, I was like, oh my gosh what if, wouldn't that be crazy? And so it was kind of, we were out buying Christmas uh, presents and I grabbed a test at the dollar store. Like this will be the millionth test I've peed on in my life. Like I've never been pregnant on my own without medical intervention. So there I was in my thirties and what do you know? Two pink lines again. So it was really mind blowing. <laughs> I don't know that it was like actually having a little more weight on me that helped less intense workouts or just the shift in hormones from the different things I had been doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what made the difference or, you know, the fact that it wasn't a stressor in my life. Like we had come to terms with, she would be our one and only, you know, we were kind of looking forward to that. It was okay. I was totally okay with it. Um, and we also were living in like my favorite place and it was sort of like, a, I feel like a healing place. Mm -hmm. For me, um, this island, I just absolutely loved it. So I'm not sure how that all came together to make a difference, but um, it, I mean, something. Right. <laughs> something um, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, like I always say, I've I've actually talked to quite a few people who have gotten pregnant naturally, and um, they're not. I, I'm I'm not saying that you're like this, but they're not willing to say that the changes that they have put into place, whether they're big or small, made the difference. Mm. Um, and I feel that when you are making changes, it doesn't matter how many, but you have made changes towards your mindset, towards your diet, towards your lifestyle, they're going to shift everything in your body. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, pregnancy sometimes comes down to a numbers game. You know, you see people do IVF after IVF after IVF and not change anything and all of a sudden be pregnant and, you know, they got the numbers right. The timing was right, you know, whatever it was. And I think a lot of people who have been through infertility and get pregnant naturally afterwards, um, they don't give themselves enough credit to look back and go, I did a lot. I've changed. I'm a different person than when I started trying to conceive. Yeah. No, and I can't, that you're right. Um, I think that was I a different person by the time I conceived the second baby compared to the first baby, completely different person. Mm -hmm. Like I said, like literally everything had changed in my life, um, shifted in my life. And I certainly, I think all of who I thought I was and the life I thought I would have had crumbled away. And I had picked back up the pieces and decided who I was going to be. And, you know, changing my spiritual beliefs was, was huge for me. Um, the, the exercising was fairly consistent, but it is possible at easing up on that because of some of the intense workouts being more in a more relaxed state. Um, I can't, I wish I could claim that diet was it because that, <laughs> I wish I, I wish I was strong enough to say that that was the case, but I don't think it was, but there's so many variables. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard to say. But the thing is you don't have to pinpoint it. I don't right. feel like anyone has to say, this is the one thing I did that made a difference because there wasn't one thing you did, right? There right. was a multiple of things. And then that, that's what you need sometimes. Mm. And it's different for everyone. Not everyone has to improve their diet. They just need to rest their adrenals. That's what over-exercising does. You're just yes. hammering your adrenals again and again. Your cortisol's going up. It's just, um, you know, there's a lot of scientific stuff that I, even my mind, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Um, and we can't explain it. But it doesn't mean that it's not a real thing and that those changes don't add up and right. to a natural pregnancy. And that's the yeah. unicorn in infertility, right? Like you dream of that. And then when yeah. you get it, you're like, what the fuck? Like, I know. Like my I was in disbelief too. Like you just can't even, I remember saying that to my husband. I'm like, dude, I'm like, we had this baby for free. <laughs> people, people do this all the time. People have babies for free. That's right. insane. And you, you know? look back at your journey and I feel like when you do make those big changes in, um, especially your mindset, you're able to look back and kind of understand why people like that doctor, like I almost kind of feel like you should go back and give that doctor a hug and say, Oh, I thought about, you know, I really have written the letter in my mind like a million times. Like, right? okay, you were right. Yes, I know. And it sucks. It sucks when you're going through it to get those yeah. comments. Um, yeah. When you do change your mindset, you can, you can really just focus in on, yeah, there is a bigger picture here. And, um, and I think um, you become a better person, a better mother, a better sister, daughter, coworker. You know, you are just a better version. You're the version of yourself that you were when you were born before it got beaten out of you by society, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, that is true. I think, and that's like, I mean, at the highest level to go really woo-woo here. <laughs> I mean, I think we are always in the process of becoming who we were meant to be and who we were originally. You know, we were born perfect and born into love and fear is what we learned here. And so I think that every awful experience you have that you survive if you are open to it can be your ultimate teacher in your life and it just brings to the surface what already needed to change you know it shows you it's a mirror for you what you know what isn't working in your life so then all of a sudden you can see that your relationship with money is not good that your relationship with your mom 
is, you know, needs some work that you and your husband are not communicating very clearly. You don't, you grieve very differently and, you know, you don't know how to deal with it. Like it presents a lot of intense opportunities for growth mm-hmm. and it's, and it is your choice because I'm not going to say that everybody I've ever met has become a better person from their trials and tribulations. That's certainly not the case, but it is your choice. And that's the only choice you have sometimes is yeah. what you're going to do with this. And I hope our hindsight, um, you know, I have like a nine year journey and that's a really long time, but you know, for the first four years, I didn't have any guidance. I was just dicking around and literally, and um, (laughs) with one, just one. Um, But yeah, it wasn't until you start putting in those hard work that your journey is just gonna like, just go that much quicker and you can figure it out and just learn from our mistakes. You know, we've made enough of them, I feel. (laughs) I know that, and that's half the motivation, honestly. I'm like, if I can just help someone shortcut this struggle, can I just tell you everything I ever learned and tell you everything that ever worked for me and for all of my clients, like here, have it. I don't want anyone else to have to, you know, spend a day longer or a dollar more than they need to dealing with this. You know, exactly. you're open to learning. And honestly, if you're open enough to be listening to, you know, this podcast or watching this video, then you're the type of person who's willing to make some shifts to better themselves. And you know, the truth when you hear it, you know, think it, it, it might make you mad at first, or it might just really settle with you like, Oh, that is so true. You know, and that's what you needed to hear in this moment. And that's the little shift you needed to start making or that's what made you aware that there is help out there and that there are professionals willing, you know, to guide you through it. And this is how you end up getting help. You know, there, if you shift the, your mindset to, if this was happening for a reason, what could that reason be? Yeah. You know, it's really hard to tell someone this is happening to you for a reason. Like that made me mad when he said that. No, hundred percent. Yeah. You, it's, it's a hard thing to say to somebody and it's a hard thing to say to yourself but if you can propose it as a question, so what if this was happening for a reason, you know, what could the reason be? Then your mind will come up with a lot of juicy tidbits about where you need to go from here. Yeah. And it could be as simple as being a better mom. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be these life epiphanies that you're going to change the world. What you're going to do is change your child's life. You're going to change the narrative maybe that you grew up with and your child's going to be a happier person. And that is by far the best thing that came out of my journey. Yeah. Well, and what's more important than that, really, to become the best version of yourself and to pass that on to your child. There's nothing more important than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So we talk about hindsight being a bitch with everything that you've been through, you've learned, you've studied. um, What's the one piece of advice? I know it's a hard one that you would give anyone going through infertility at the moment. Oh Lord. Okay. It was really hard to only come up with one. You know, I have a list, right? (laughs) Okay. If I had to pick just one, I would say that, um, there is no right or wrong way. There is only what is right for you. So there isn't a right way or wrong way to do anything. It's only what's right for you. And when you make decisions from a place of lack and scarcity and fear, you will never be making a good decision. And that's where the work lies. Following intuition instead of following your fears is the biggest struggle in that journey. And, I, and sometimes you do need help to dig that out and clear that up. Um, but that, out of all of the decisions you have to make with money during these fertility treatments or with anything else, finding um, what's right for you, what feels good for you, and not doing it from a place of fear is what's most important. Yeah. And um, having that self-confidence that, that it's, it's fine, that it's good, that it's going to work. And, and that you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a very great piece of advice. Um, f- tell our listeners where they can find you. So on Facebook, um, at the Fertility Finance Coach, on Instagram, same, but with all those damn underscores, the underscore fertility underscore <laughs> underscore coach. Um, my website is devinbaeza.com. So that's D-E-V-O-N, B as in boy, A-E-Z-A.com. 
And my email is devin at devinbaeza.com. And I'm honestly always happy um, to help and to hear from people. And certainly, if you're having money struggles, I'm your girl. And if you're struggling with anything else, I could send you in the right direction. So never hesitate to reach out. Um, I am honestly always open to talking and I could obviously talk about this forever. So right. this is all and I do. <laughs> you do one-on-one -on -one coaching and do you have an online program? I do. So I have uh, different coaching programs. I have um, what just like a single session. There's email coaching and then there's a six week intensive program, like highly customized. And then I also, I launched this spring, a 30 day fertile money mindset program, which was like small group coaching to make something really affordable for people who wanted a little bit of coaching each day. And that would have had amazing success stories. So I'm definitely doing that again, um, probably this time around in September. And then most likely again in the spring, it'll probably be a twice a year sort of thing. So um, that is, it was super, super fun. And all of that is on my website. And if you need any more information, please contact me. Yeah. And I'll put all that information in, in the uh, show notes. So it's easily accessible for everyone. Thank you so much for coming on the infertile diagnosis, sharing your story and you. um, how you became your own hero. And yes. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. things before you go all the links you need to connect with Devin are down in the show notes and if you want to see some amazing earrings go check out Devin's earrings on this episode over on the YouTube channel Fertility Reconnect and don't forget December 1st is when the Fertility Reconnect course opens there's only 25 slots on the January course, so make sure you go sign up to the email list and be the first in line to get onto the course. If you're really loving what we're doing here on the Infertile Diagnosis, please leave us a rating or a review. It really helps the podcast and we would love to know what we're doing right and how we can improve in the future. Please email us at me at mymindfulme.com with any questions that you would like to be answered on the infertile diagnosis on our Q&A sessions that we do once a month. Thanks once again for tuning in and looking forward to having you next week on the infertile diagnosis.